Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Burning Stars, Falling Skies, taken from both HFY and Royal Road. The link to the original will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please subscribe, like, and comment so that the great algorithm and all its wisdom decides to help grow this channel. Chapter 19 Vengeance. Three Dak's attention snapped back to the plot as both sets of rockets drifted within range of the other's fleet screening elements. The holograph flashed and the screening vessels did their best to penetrate the incoming rocket swarm's electronic countermeasures long range for their lasers to tag them. The rocket tally quickly ticked down as lasers blinded out or outright destroyed them. A breath later, they passed into a projectile range, and the fleet's drones swarmed into position, spitting hyper-accelerated clouds of dust at the rockets. Then, the first volley passed both screens, screaming electronic defiance at the target computers as they shifted back and forth, trying to give the defenders' lasers the most elusive profile possible. Katash gritted her teeth on camera as the Empress Threedak jerked back and forth, its heavy thrusters tossing the dodge doll around and their couches as the pre-programmed evasive maneuvers did their best to avoid the rocket swarm. The fleet's icons flickered as their point defenses activated. Lasers blinked life, invisible except when they were struck a rocket, superheating their armor just as they attempted to melt through and detonate their weapons before they could rotate or jet away. Countermeasures launched themselves across the feet, a heavy but inefficient engines letting them sprint across the void to annihilate themselves in a flash of nuclear fire, occasionally taking the enemy rocket with them. Threedak blinked, barely able to make sense of the tapestry of rockets weaving and dying, fed to the command center by the Empress Threedak sensors. The dizzying display ended almost as soon as it began. The incredible relative speed of the enemy rockets plowing through the fleet's point defense envelope and into range of the last-ditch kinetic weapon systems in the blink of an eye. The rockets exploded, blanketing the William Drisco, a torchip chosen seemingly at random, the flashing in white light visible even from the Empress Threedax bridge. The Drisco managed to shake off almost half of the forty remaining rockets and all of the fusion warheads. Still, twenty warheads exploded near enough to the twisting and weaving ship and into with X-ray lasers. Armor and external weapons melted off the Drisco as it rocked, chunks of vessels disappearing in rapid expanding spheres of plasma. Even though the lasers themselves didn't have any appreciable kinetic force, explosions caused by their interaction with the ship's armor was more than enough to throw at least partially out of formation. Threedak held a breath, watching the ship's icon flicker as it labored under the invader's body blows. Finally, the storm relented and Drisco accelerated back to the formation, trailing a thin stream of metal gas. Next to her, Bakai sighed. Both reactors on the main cannon are still intact, her daughter whispered, almost to herself, as her eyes remained glued to the plot. It looks like that round was mostly superficial damage. And they're all right then, Dylas asked, wringing her graspers together. What? Bakai glanced over it back to Dylas, startled by realizing the others had heard her. Not really, Bakai continued grimly. The Drisco made it through that body with minimal damage, but that was at the expense of most of their armor. Both sides were fired six waves of rockets. 
If another one targets the Jusko, it's in trouble. If two target it, Bakai shrugged as her tail flicked against the ground. All it takes is a lucky shot to a coolant regulator on a reactor or an engine that an entire ship has gone. If you don't hit something vital with a laser, torch ships can take a lot of beating, but with a number of warheads getting thrown around, it's only a matter of time before they do hit something vital. Well, it's either that or the lasers pick off enough close-in weapon systems and maneuvering thrusters to drop a couple fusion warheads on it. That'll end things real fast. On the plot, one of the invaded torchships shuddered, throwing noticeably as the icons and four Dutch tall rockets flickered around it. A flashing icon appeared next to the ship's red triangle, indicating both that its heat signature had diminished and that it was streaming oxygen. Thredak hissed. That meant that their armor was breached and there was one reactor was down. It was a harsh carcass, but as badly as the Drisco was damaged, it savaged the enemy in exchange. The battle raged on, screens built up to dangerous levels with heat as they did their best to intercept incoming waves of rockets, firing their lasers with abandon in an attempt to spare the rest of the fleet from the tides of nuclear fire washing towards it. Still, casualties mounted. The Drisco dropped out of formation, accelerating perpendicular to the vectors of the two fleets attacking each other. Notifications next to the icons indicating that over 100 Dutch Tull had died. When laser pulses and superheated the command situation in the gunnery deck and a full marine company's living quarters. Another torchship, the Wang Zinyu, suffered a similar fate. After two volleys of rockets, including one strike from the fusion warhead, its armor was about as useful as wet paper, forcing it to limp away as well. Its acceleration curved by laser strike and took out the regulator on one of its two fusion reactors, making it unsafe to operate. The second vessel fared worse. The first body easily overwhelmed the invader's point defenses before it tore into the torch ship, melting almost all of its armor off and likely disabling its main cannon. The follow-up rocket finished the kill of X-rays from the laser warheads, strove through almost non-existent armor, disabling systems and roping through internal structure supports. Then two fusion warheads went off, one after another, a mere hundred meters from the torch ships. Energy and radiation bathed the vessel, and when the flash faded, all that remained was a twisted and glowing hulk of metal. The final two volleys were especially brutal as the screen struggled to get into position, many only firing off a couple heated laser shots and did little more than heat up a couple armor panels on the extreme range. The smaller vessels would need time to run their radiators before they could contribute to the battle. Already, their coolant reserves had run dry as they used everything on hand to keep their frantic pace of the conflict. Without Screen's help, the Franklin Mitchell was powdered by rocket after rocket. In places, space could be seen through the holes bored into it by invaders' X-rays. Somehow, despite almost 60 hits streaming air and floating dead in space, the vessel lived. It subsisted on an emergency power, reporting that its main gun was both reactors were disabled. The acting captain, from a bridge open to vacuum, a great hole through the section where the captain should have sat, stated hoarsely that she had hoped that they would be able to bring one reactor online and limp home. On the invader side, the third vessel was simply erased from existence. 
Over a hundred rockets detonated around it in the first wave, riddling it with holes and letting the fusion warhead sneak near enough to melt the front third of the ship. The second body couldn't be reprogrammed at range, something proposed by a human admiral that had thought himself clever until the invaders simply turned off all of his rockets and promptly killed him. Instead, it plowed into the shredded mass of injured vessels uncontested. The invaders didn't even bother wasting resources and couldn't protect the Hulk. Fifteen fusion warheads detonated a point-blank range, rendering the hundred and fifty or so laser pulses moot. The ship disintegrated. The component pieces practically glowed with heat and radiation. Rita turned her head as Bakai thrummed unhappily. We have to do better, mother, Bakai muttered grumbly, her neck pouches putting and emptying as she tried to keep her anger in check. We fired almost twice as many rockets and had almost twice the weight and defensive fire. We only landed about 40% more hits. We should have hit them two or three more times often than they hit us. I don't know if it's a question of equipment or technology proficiency with equipment. Those are numbers of someone who plans on winning a war. At least someone who plans on winning a war without massive numerical advantage. Bukai shrugged, her muzzle still set in the pensive grimace. Given the invader's inability to resupply, Dallas interjected quietly, her whisper a voice carrying across the entirety of the almost silent command center. They likely don't breed at the same rate as us. If all else fails, so long as we're given time, we will have the numerical superiority we need. Burying them in bodies might not be the most glamorous of victories, but if it'll keep our daughters safe, we will do what we must. Well said, Threedak nodded to Dallas, warmth running through her. The stars are our birthright, and if we must walk through the sea of flames to claim it, so be. I would prefer the Dodge Star to lead peaceful lives like the humans, but that simply isn't the way of things. Mother, Bakai motioned with her head towards the plot of the two opposing screens accelerating towards each other. Seconds later, the heavy guns on both fleets opened up. Threedak's muzzle spread into a predatory grin as the four cannons on her namesake supplemented the single weapon on the three active torch ships. That was why Katash had howled off against the enemy station, to prevent the invaders from seeing the massive close-range firepower mounted on the Empress Threedak in the hope that it would be able to avoid enemy fire long enough to close range. The invaders returned fire only are mounted to two cannons, crippled to the point of borderline uselessness. Technically, at close range it still could use minimal lasers and close-in weapon systems to harm another ship, but the chances of anything approaching that range were minuscule. In short, the Empress 3 deck mounted twice as many long-range cannons as the entirety of the invading force. The shells raced past the respective screens as they pushed their engines to get within a knife distance to use their unguided railguns. At the last second, the shells scattered into flechettes, showering the dodging invader ships with slivers of heavy metal. The bridge of the Emperor's three-deck shuddered slightly as the ship shrugged off a handful of penetrators, but the invaders weren't so lucky. Whenever the Dodge Tal's weakness in rockets combat, it didn't extend to electromagnetic cannons. One of the two invader ships erupted in a flash of light as the flechettes peppering the surface shattered the armor and containment housing of the fusion torch. For a brief second, the caged sun was on the ship's engine was exposed to the void of space, and then the magnetic bottle shielding it evaporated, taking the rest of the ship with it. 
The other ship weathered the storm of metal, limping out of the other side of the streaming oxygen and debris as its power and heat levels fluctuated noticeably. The second body hit, effectively ending the battle. Once again, the Empress Threedak took some glancing blows without any casualties, but the invaders couldn't stay the same. Mixed in with a stream of flechette shells, Katash included some penetrators, and at least one hit the invaded torship as it struggled to avoid the dodge tall fire with its weakened engines. The multiple kilogram ship killer took its upper third of the cylindrical form with a force and a subtlety of a freight train. The slug entered through a hole the size of a small sedan, and exited in a bloom of plasma that simply ruptured the side of the tall ship. The shot took down the ship's struggling electrical systems, and, without thrusters to counter the force of the blow, the ship spun on its axis like a top. Then the fleshettes hit, riddling with the ready-disabled hulk of metal. It floated in space, aimless and crippled, for full five seconds before a third volley. Four precisely aim-shot penetrator rounds from the Empress Threedak struck it, shattering the keel and reducing the ship to little more than scrap. Cheering erupted around the command center, eliciting a frown from Threedak. Although the battle was decided, the invaders fought on, their screens and drones struggling to close range against the Dodge Tile counterparts. Even as the analysis of the warriors and the Meridian Station cracked open bottles of fizzy fermented drinks, Dodge Tile bled and died furtively against those foes. Their ships too close to the torchships to intervene, and their velocities too high to avoid the enemy. Quietly, Dallas made to leave. She'd never been one for celebrations, and clearly she didn't want to be caught up in this one. Threedak shook her head and raised a grasper to stop her daughter. The battle isn't over. She nodded at the plot where both green and red squares flickered and disappeared. They are still dying for us. The least that we can do is stand by and watch their sacrifice. End of chapter and that, uh, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you enjoyed the story, please follow the link down below and let the author know. If you wish to support this channel, you can do all the usual YouTube gumph, like subscribing, following, and more importantly, sharing. All of these things do help the channel grow. If you wish to do more, there are links for donations, Patreon, and channel memberships as well. And until the next time, I hope that you all have a wonderful one. I will see you in the next video. Cheers.